So, um, yeah, while it is daytime, the light of the world is uh, in the world, right? It's with them, and he's saying we must do the work of God while it is day, while it is day. So, um, when they ask this, what is Jesus's response to their question? Okay, neither but, but this man was born blind so that the works of God may be revealed. Okay. Any, any thoughts on that statement? What is, what does that mean? Yeah, Nina. I think the guy was appointed for this day and time for this reason. His, his sickness and his blindness was given to him. For the glory of God, but it was in God's timing. Good. Good. So he he was born that way. God sees all, he knows all. He sets things up so that he's glorified, and in this instance, this man was set up to glorify God. Yeah, Mitch? Yeah, very good. So, uh, this is maybe, maybe for me, the biggest takeaway from this story is that we've got to remember Jesus's answer. It's really hard in the moment to, to see that and to think of this, this story. But, um, I think it's encouraging. In fact, just this past weekend, um, someone was sharing something they were going through in it and I'm thinking about this story and I and I shared I was like you know it just reminds me you know that that is really hard but remember God sets things like that up so that he will be glorified so we we have to have that mindset like what can I do how can I respond to this trial in a way that will glorify God other thoughts? Right. Yeah. In Second Corinthians twelve, when Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh, uh, this was not because of some sin in his life, uh, but uh, God allowed that to keep him from sin. It then backward uh, in weakness that God is glorified. Good. Yeah. So, so Paul's thorn in the flesh was something that showed God's power because Paul was weak, right? Good. Other thoughts? Yeah, Mike. I love how he uses the metaphor of light and dark, right? This blind man is in darkness. Christ comes along, he says, I am the light of the world. He anoints his eyes, and now all of a sudden, the blind man going to blind, and he's in the light. And so we see this definite contrast here the, in, the, in the metaphor of the two. Uh, darkness of the world, blindness, the light of the world, Christ being able to see and really understand the story. Good. So the, the blind man received not just sight, but light. 
His darkness was made into light. Jesus, the light of the world. And he says, this is what we've got to be doing while it's day. Right? Good. Okay. Um, So, why do you think Jesus chose to spit on the ground and make mud and heal this man that way? Is there any significance to that? Does that puzzle you guys? Yeah, Raymond? Yeah, Jairus. Yeah, and he had to walk like a day's walk in faith to uh, see that. And uh, this is kind of interesting because the name of the pool being sent. Yeah. Yeah, so the name of the pool is sent, and this man is given something that he needs to obey, right? Um, so he has to be obedient. Not, what If he had said, ah, this is hogwash, I'm not going to go. To that pool and do this. That's ridiculous. Would he have been, would he have been healed? <clears throat> and it's interesting you said he went in faith, right? But I thought we were, we weren't saved by works. So your statement there, Raymond, is, is way off. You're, that's exactly right. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it, it was obedience. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Right, yeah. It, it, it sounds like Naaman, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, he could have said go... Go dip in the water, go wash, and you'll, you can see, you'll be able to see. But Jesus, for whatever reason, made mud. Leanne says, maybe he made that mud because he knew that would be considered some work and he would get in trouble for that, doing it on the Sabbath, right? And any other thoughts on, on that? Does it remind you of anything? Yeah. Sure, yeah. So it kind of and it transforms over into the spiritual as well. Yeah. So he good. has to be available to give the light, to let for people to see the light. Right. It is reminiscent a little bit of creation. Out of dust or clay, man was formed. Now he's giving him sight from the and the, using the same process that was used in creation. Good. Yeah, boy. It's interesting that uh, uh, I, I don't know how much he knew, but he 
just that that was really the two thousand grams later on it was Good, yes. So he, he, this man knew it was Jesus, a man called Jesus, uh, that did this, right? Good. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, emphasizing the 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 lack of clarity, the darkness of the eyes. Yeah, Robin. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he uses saliva, and I, I don't know of. Um, I, I'm not thinking of any connection to saliva and other healing or in the Old Testament, but I, you guys might can correct me there. Yeah, John. Right. Yeah, it it does seem that uh, Jesus likes to stir the pot, right, Luke? <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> oh, that's right. Right, right, yeah, good. Yeah, so, um, yeah, th- so he's, he's definitely using this as a lesson and as a metaphor, right? Good, yeah, Carrie? Okay, good. So there, yeah, that connection of being washed in Jesus' blood here. He's washed uh, with mud and saliva. Yeah, good. Okay. Um, let's uh, continue reading, if you would stand, and we'll read 13 through 34. We'll go ahead and get to the, <clears throat> the end of the narrative here. <clears throat> they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now... The day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind, 
that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he now can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but now, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciples. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. If you can stand to sit down after that, you can go ahead and sit down. Oh, man. That is, uh, that's infuriating to me. All right. Uh, what did you hear? What did you notice? What stood out to you this time? Yeah, Bob. His parents were right. About what? Right. Yep. They, they were, they were afraid. That's what they were afraid of. And they proved her to be correct. Bob. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How do you? Why? How did he do that? This. I mean, he he really put them in their place. How do you think he was able to do that? He was convicted. Yeah, he he never really made any claim about his own belief. He just spoke facts, right? Good. Yeah. Yeah, Jesse.
Right, good. Yeah, so he, he knew that he could see, right? That's all he needed to know. Mark, did you have a comment? <laughs> right. Mark said he they set themselves up to be dunked on, right? They they were asking for it. Good. Yeah. Yep, very good. Yeah. Jesus definitely chose him. He didn't choose Jesus. He wasn't, he didn't ask for him. He certainly didn't see him. He didn't call out to him. Jesus saw him and seems to begin the interaction, right? And so, yeah, maybe God chose him because he knew what he would say to the Pharisees that would be recorded for all of us, right? Uh, Robin? Okay, yeah, good question. So, um, the statement, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. So, is that, is that a factual statement? What, what do you think he meant by that? And do you take any issue with that, Lou? Right. So specifically, he's referring to Jesus as, you know, Jesus is doing this. We know God wouldn't. Now he says, listen to sinners. We know God wouldn't certainly wouldn't grant this man authority to do this if he were a sinner. Right. Uh, or if he were lying about who he was. Yeah. Other thoughts. In verse 16, it says, Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, but he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? Right. They had already basically called him a sinner, and then this man says, Right, yeah. Exactly. So he's, he's addressing the fact that Jesus claims to be from God. Um, if he was a sinner, he wouldn't be able to do these things, right? We know, uh, he said he, he does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person. Um, I think he's referring to what Jesus is doing rather than what he's, uh, asking God for, right? Right. Right. 
Right, right. It, it reminds me, it seems to go back to, um, oh, and forgot to say, Ryan is saying um, that, uh, well, now I've got my own train of thought here. Um, he's saying that some of the Pharisees even saw that he, or were reasoning, it said some of the Pharisees said, this man's not from God, but others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. It seems that the Pharisees themselves are divided. Um, and uh, are arguing. Um, so, yeah, other other thoughts? Yeah, Mitch? Well, I Right. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly God is the one that gave life. Uh, God can give sight. Right. So this would be a power God has. This man has it. Right. Yeah. Raymond. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. So this is unprecedented uh, sign. So, um, yeah, it's interesting that they are, that their conclusion is this man has to be a sinner, right? And um, it reminds me of um, somebody decided to saw open a Tyrannosaurus Rex bone. And when they, and nobody had ever done that because why would you do that if you have an intact t-rex bone but somebody did that and inside they found pliable collagen with um dna um right and they didn't go uh, science most scientists didn't say oh wow maybe dinosaurs aren't as old as we thought they just said wow who knew bone marrow could last this long right Right. Yeah. Instead of challenging those assumptions, they, they, there's one assumption they will not concede. And that seems, that's what this reminds me of. Um, and it seems to come back to what, three chapters ago? Anyone who is, who wants to do the will of God will find out who Jesus is. That's the criteria. And that's the only criteria. You just have to be willing you just have to have a will to know what God wants you to do. Just, you want to do his will, then you'll know where I came from, Jesus said. And I, I feel like these men don't, they don't want to do God's will. They want to, they want to have status and power over everyone else by rushing to condemn anyone that breaks their definition of the Sabbath in this case, or whatever it is. Um, yeah, John. Yeah, I 
Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. I am at a loss as to why these people keep getting the Pharisees involved. Like, what? Like, something great happened. Let's go see what the Pharisees say. Come here. And what are they going to say? What day was it? Wait a minute. Right? And um, one commentator that I was listening to was like, you know, Jesus could have been there on a Thursday. He could have stopped by on Tuesday, but he didn't. He chose to do it on the Sabbath. And again, he's stirring stirring the pot on purpose, I think. God's listening to this man. Yeah, right. Good. Yeah, their own their own teachings are are conflicting, right? <clears throat> Boy. Good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think that's a huge lesson, a huge takeaway from this chapter. When when something bad happens to us, are we are we asking why or are we asking how can we glorify God? Good. Yeah, Alan. Yeah, good. So um, there's definitely some degrees of this because we we're all sinners. So does God not hear any of us? Right. Um, so God's grace and mercy <clears throat> extends to those to all of us who want to do his will. Right? That's true. True. The Pharisees, maybe that was their teaching, right? Hey, God, God doesn't listen to you if you're a sinner. He only listens to me. So let me know if you have any special requests. Right? <clears throat> yeah. I don't know if this is significant or not, but you know, finally after 60 years of life, I finally have seen something that probably had been there the whole time, but 
just how important water was to in Jesus' life, right? <clears throat> we see his baptism. We see him pulling his first disciples from the water, fishermen out of their boats. We see the woman at the well. He's the water. He keeps uh, uh, living water. Water to wine. Yeah, water to wine, the first miracle, right? Number one, Grace, the very first one he ever did. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and we see you know, the... Uh, the the pool of Bethesda, or, or, or Bethesda, uh-huh. where the crippled man was, with by the water. Right. Here we have the pool of Siloam, and ultimately culminates into baptism and being washed in his blood in water. And it's just amazing when you see all the connections of water in his life and how important it is for everybody. Right, good. Yep, water and blood flow from his side. Yep. Yeah, good. Good connections. Um, other thoughts? Yeah. One last thought is Boyd said what would happen when you find some application here. And I have problems seeing the Lord when I've got my eyes so fixed on something I want so bad. Right. And I think we see the Pharisees in that they were steeped in their tradition. And if this man's a Messiah, they got a problem. They've got a problem in, in their setting and in their place and in their nation. Yeah. Sometimes I have trouble doing and believing what I should believe and doing what I need to do because I am too stuck on what I want. Sure, yeah. And they were embracing seemingly their Jewish traditions and their eventuality. Right, yeah. So we, when we're not looking to do God's will, but we're rather looking at something that we want, some desire that we have, it's hard to then turn and see. Now, the other thing that I think is really important to recognize is, um, see if I can say this correctly, I don't want to go too far here, but um, I think the Pharisees were holding on to their traditions because that's what was comfortable and they weren't willing to give up what made them feel holy and feel righteous and feel uh, pious and and um, yeah righteous because and throw all that off to accept something that sounded like it was or that was obviously true right something that was hitting them right between the eyes a truth statement, uh, an event that was hitting them right between the eyes, and yet they would rather have what was comfortable and what was traditional, right? So, you know, I, I, I do think there is there is caution for us in holding too tightly to those traditions um, and and not accepting truth, right? We don't want to be guilty of that either. Okay. Um, just stay seated. Uh, let me read this last little section. Jesus heard they had thrown him out. It's blind man. And when he found them, I'm in verse 35, by the way. When he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, 
He is the one speaking with you. Then the man man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Somebody say, ouch. Whew. All right, what'd you hear? What stood out to you, Karen? It didn't sound like this man knew that this was Jesus at this point. Right. Um, at least he didn't know what he looked like. Right? So maybe he heard somebody call him Jesus. And that's kind of where I was. I was like, how did he know who he was before? Maybe he heard, hey, hey, Jesus, look at the blind man. Or that maybe they were talking to him. And he said, oh, this guy named Jesus... And then finally, he's seeing him for the first time. Um, so he's not asked, do you believe in Jesus? He's asked, do you believe in the Son of God or the Son of Man? Okay, the and, Son of Man. Uh, yeah, in verse 36, he, he acknowledges his own ignorance, whereas the Pharisees are all emphasizing what they know. Uh, uh, so, let's see yeah, so, so he's acknowledging his ignorance. He's, he's a very humble Man, and the fact that who is he that I can believe in him? Um, and he said, "Well, you're looking at him." Yeah, Mitch. Sorry. I love that uh, Jesus says he is. I uh, you have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you now, as if they were two separate occasions. Now, I'm wondering if Jesus is referring to the sign. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was blind when he first interacted with Jesus. Now he can see, and he's asking, "Who are you?" And he says, "I'm I'm the guy." Good. <clears throat> yeah, Nina. And spiritually. Yeah. Right, yeah. Good. Yep. Good. So he definitely he's pointing out the difference between physical sight and spiritual sight. Physical being able to see and spiritually being able to know who Jesus is, who who he is. Notice some similarities between the blind man and Jesus. The crowd comes to check on what happened to the blind man. The crowd's divided on who he is, if he's really the blind man or if he just looks like him. Uh, The man says, I am, and I have to retract a statement. Last class I said that when Jesus um, said, I am, that 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 was never said without an object. And it right here, this man, when they're asking... Uh, oh, 
He looks like the man. He himself says in verse 9, I am. That's what he says. There's no object, direct object there. He just says, I am. And that's what Jesus has said. Now, obviously, Jesus means a little bit, a lot more when he says it. And certainly when he says, before Abraham was born, I am. But if you're not following that, uh, then ask me later and I can explain what I said a little bit too, um, uh, a little bit too harshly last time. So, um, but they want, they question this, the sign from this guy. They want to know what the Pharisees will say about this man. The Pharisees completely dismiss this man. They kick him out and they call him a sinner and they can't hear the truth. Um, one last thing. So I was listening to this guy about them being kicked out of the synagogue. Um, and that was not just like, hey, you can't come to church anymore. That was your blacklisted and no one will acknowledge you. you. No one will come to you for services. You will lose your livelihood with this. And this was a Jews for Jesus um, Bible study I was listening to. He's, and he said, this is still the way it is today. Um, he said that not too long ago, so this would have been probably in the 90s, maybe 2000s, there was a Hasidic Jew, so those, those are the guys with the earlocks and the skull cap and the prayer shawl, and you, they'll be praying three times a day, very orthodox. And he said there was a guy that came to his Jews for Jesus Bible study, and when he got there, he would change his clothes, put his earlocks behind his ear, put a ball cap on, and come in because... If any, because he was, he was interested, he wanted to study. He became, uh, a believer in the Messiah. Now, I don't know all of his, um, beliefs, but he believed in the Messiah. He didn't, he had 10 children. He didn't tell his children and he didn't tell his wife because if he did, his kids could not, would not marry any of the Jews that in his community, he would be blacklisted. And this was recent. Okay. So. Still today, there is persecution and there's a real uh, livelihood that can be lost by believing in the Messiah. So, I thought that was interesting. thought about playing it for you guys. but All right, Mike is going to take over um, on Sunday.